0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. We have made it. <laughs> we we are at the end of the road less traveled. <laughs> it, it it's like that road that you come to at the very end, and there's it just stops. I, I've told you the story of, of the, the bad Siri directions that Kaylee and I got in Hawaii that literally just stops in the middle of a sugarcane field with a sign that says you should turn around. We we are there. <laughs> we are there, we have made it. If you remember we came first to the book of Leviticus. And we said, okay, not many of us have, have taken the time to read through the book of Leviticus. You know, that, that's not necessarily our first stop for our daily devotion. And if it is, we usually just kind of, okay, let's put our head down and get through it, right? How does not eating the gecko fit into my, my everyday life? And, and what we learned from that was that it was a lot less a matter of how does Leviticus, how is that relevant to me? As much as how is Leviticus relevant to who God is? And if these are the things that, these are the rules that, that draw a picture for us for who God is. Because remember, we're, we're not to have any image of God. And the reason we're not to have any image of God, we're not to, to have any idol that we worship. Even if it's an idol that's directing worship to God is because anything that we create will be less than. Anything that we create will be a misrepresentation of who God is. And so how do we know who God is? We know who God is through the, the rules and through the directives that he gives. That, that tells us what's important. And so there is this theme that we got from the, the book of Leviticus that was saying that we are to be holy because he is holy. We just spent a lot of time talking about how God is holy. And if we read through the book of Revelation, as we have gone through this book of Revelation, time after time after time, even in the midst of all of the the difficult stuff that we see happening in that book, we see that there is one overarching, consistent, constant theme. That is the holiness of God. And so we found our way through these these various parts of Scripture that may have been new to you, that that maybe were were areas of Scripture that you just conveniently skipped over as part of your Bible reading. (laughs) And, And that's okay. But we came to this letter written by the Apostle John to seven churches in Asia Minor describing a specific message that God had for those people and for us today. The purpose of the book of Revelation is to embolden, is to bring confidence in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That regardless of what you may be facing, yes, they may be throwing your family into an arena filled with lions. They may be setting you on fire. They may be burning you at a stake. They may be doing any number of terrible things to you. But come what may, your God is holy and you are loved. And there is something so much better for you than what is here on this earth. Revelation 21, 1 through 7 says, Then I saw, this is the last window, a new heaven and a new earth. And for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost. And from the spring of the water of life, those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. That's what the end of all things looks like. As we read through Revelation 21 and 22, we're going to see that the end is taking place in a literal place. That there are literal, physical people in that place in the presence of a literal, physical creator God. Like we've talked about throughout this study, it is so easy. To let our preconceived ideas, the the stuff that we've kind of packed along with us for however many years about the book of Revelation, about end times in general. It's so easy to bring all of those things with us and to let those things get in the way of the actual message. Sometimes we can get so caught up in trying to figure out timing. We can get so caught up in trying to figure out how this message, how this letter, how this prophecy affects me personally, that we miss out on everything that's being said. Can you imagine if the church in 96 AD, when they, they receive this, they're like, well, how does, how does this happen? What, like when, what is this specific day that this is going to take place? How does this affect me personally today? What, what am I supposed to do with this? That's not the point. That, that was never the point. And so we, we first look back at what was the first window that John got to look through? What was the first thing that he saw? He saw the throne of God. He saw the throne room of God where all worship from all time and all space is coming to that specific point, coming to that point, to that throne. That same convergent space where you know, time is a difficult thing to start talking about, but as we come and we were here this morning and we were lifting our, our hands and we were lifting our voices and our hearts and we were praising God. We were saying, God, you are holy. That praise and worship is, is coming through time and space and it's meeting at that point at the throne room of God, at the same exact point that all other worship and all other times, at all other spaces is coming together to God. At that point, that is what is coming down. That is what is coming down from heaven to earth. This space is coming down. And so we go through these last chapters in the book of Revelation, and there's this specific talk of heaven coming down. There's a very specific point. That, that seems almost simple. But it's so great when we get to look back and see that God is consistent in how he pursues his children. Notice that, that we weren't brought up, but that heaven came down. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you, you look at the intentionality that, that God demonstrates in pursuing his children when we mess up. Adam and Eve, they, they, they choose sin instead of God. They choose to, to eat the fruit that they're, they're commanded not to eat. And, and what does God do? God, God makes a way for them to, to still have Relationship, Yes, it's a shadow of what the relationship once was, but God makes a way. Time after time after time, the people of Israel fall away, but what does God do? God says, I'm going to give you plans to build a tent that you can put in the midst of your camp. And even though you are going to choose time after time to fall away, I'm going to be in that camp and I'm going to make a choice to be amongst you. And as the people of Israel are are successful, as they grow, as they they come into the land that they've been promised, they build a a temple. And God says, this temple is going to be the place where I'm going to to allow my presence to be the Holy of Holies. And there's all of these rules and regulations that go into, into you being able to be near me, but I'm going to be near you because I choose to demonstrate my love to you in this way. And so how fitting is it that at the end of all things, heaven comes down to once again be with us? Not that that God says, well, I'm going to forsake the earth. I'm going to say, enemy, you can have the earth. I'm just going to start a new one and, and take my children to that. No, I'm going to redeem all of creation. And I'm going to step once more into their brokenness, and I'm going to make it beautiful. Sometimes we, we think about the end of all things. We think about revelation and everything that, that comes with that as God's people being rescued out of a broken world. but i think what we see in this passage is that it's it's much less god's people being rescued out of a broken world and much more god redeeming that world and us dwelling in it with him so we have this literal place how do we know it's a literal place How do we know that this is a real place? I mean, there's so much symbolism that's happened in this book. There's so much stuff that it it seems just so off the wall. How do we know that this is a literal place? If you read from verse 9 onwards, over and over and over again, we see the materiality. I I think that's a word. We'll we'll say it's a word. Um, (laughs) The materiality of, of what's happening. Why on earth would there be an angel measuring... The walls. Why, why is there talk about how big the gate is and what the material of the gate is? What, what is the reasoning for all of that? The verses that are pertaining to these materials, they're saying that there's a gate that is made from a single pearl. That all of the gates are made from single pearls. But what's interesting to me is as I was reading this, as it was talking about the materials that were used, it brought me back to the very first study that we did on the road less traveled. It took me back to Leviticus, where we started talking about the materials that went into creating this tent. That there was the hide of sea cows that they would get, and that there was all of this hammered gold and, and hammered bronze and hammered silver, and that they were creating all of these different implements with The the knowledge and the skill that God had given them. But what we see here is something that is so much more. Instead of using the hide of sea cows, we have gates made up of single pearls. Instead of hammered gold, silver, and bronze, we have streets that are paved with the purest gold. Gold that, that appears as glass. Why did the angel measure the city? Why why are the gates being counted? Why is there talk about trees bearing fruit in season? I mean, these are very specific things. This is the world remade. This is not eternal life sitting on a cloud with a harp. We know this is a literal place because would God really give up earth to the enemy? Because that's the alternative. If this isn't a physical place, then that means that God's saying, saying, oh, we're, we're going to just go ahead and take everybody who chooses to follow me out and we're going to concede the world to the enemy. You've got this. I'm, I'm just going to start over. That's, that's the alternative. And is there any world, is there any reality where that happens? No. There is never an instance where God concedes. He's not going to concede his creation to be anything less than redeemed. If we look at at other places in Scripture, it talks about how the desert will will bloom with roses. The mountaintops will flow with sweet wine. The wolf and the lamb will be together. The the lion will, will eat grass like the oxen. I want to pause for just a moment. What is the most beautiful aspect of creation that you have ever seen? Just pause for a minute. Go ahead. What do you say, Heidi? The birth of a child, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Let, let's let's go out into to creation specifically. A rainbow over a waterfall. Okay. What do you say? Birds, okay. There's a very specific place. I know I've I mentioned Hawaii twice today. I don't know why it's front of mind for me, but there's a a place. It's at the the north portion of the the Big Island of Hawaii called Waipio Valley. And you drive this this four wheel drive vehicle for maybe an hour and a half, two hours from uh, where we typically stay, you, you get to this place and you can hike down into it and, and go back up the other side and there's all these different valleys that you can walk through, but there's a overwatch that is is right before you drive into the valley. And you you stand there and as you're standing, as you're looking, you see a mountainside that is just completely green with the ocean to the right side, a beautiful valley in between that is completely lush with wild horses running in it and a river that is flowing out to the ocean. There's waterfalls coming off of the side of the valley directly into the ocean with rainbows coming off of those waterfalls. Augustine, looking out at, at the Mediterranean Sea over a sunset, says, "If these are the beauties afforded to sinful men, what does God have in store for those who love him? That most beautiful thing in all of creation that you have seen. if that is what God what is in store." For you, if that is what you have seen as as someone who is dealing with sin in your life, if that is what exists today, then what does God have in store when heaven comes to earth? If we look back to Old Testament times. And gosh, we don't even need to look that far back. If we look back to the Wild West. (laughs) When somebody went to the bathroom in a chamber pot, what did they do with that? (laughs) They just dumped it in the street. That's where all the trash went. That's where everything that, that nobody wanted went. It went into the street, into the gutter. And it, there had to be a rain that would wash all of that away. But in the new earth, according to Revelation 22, 1 and 2, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, runs down the middle of the great streets of the city. Everything old is washed away. All the brokenness, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the, the hardship, all of those things are washed away in the new earth. So it, it's not just a, a literal place, it's, it's literal People. This isn't just some spiritual realm. It's not just some ethereal ghost that's gonna be floating around in this place. No, there are literal peoples that will be here. And and it's important that we hear peoples. Revelation one three and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he dwells with them. They will be his peoples is one of the, the translations that's out there. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Just how God isn't going to destroy and abandon the earth. He's not going to just show up and wipe away all ethnicity and all culture in the world. Instead, he is going to redeem it. Ethnicity isn't a problem to be solved. It is a demonstration of who God is. The the peoples of the earth coming together is a part of all things being made new. No single ethnicity or culture can bear the weight Of God's identity. Think about that for a minute. So often the church focuses on blonde hair, blue eyed, kind of feathered back, uh, blowing in the wind, hair Jesus. No. No single ethnicity or culture can bear the weight of God's identity. All ethnicity, all culture is. Reflection of who God is. Revelation 21, 24 says, the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The, the kings of the earth bringing their splendor. What does that mean? If we look back at, at the kings of that age, what, what, did, what was representative of those kings? Kings of that time were representative of the people that they were kings over. Man, that's a, a, no, a, a novel idea today. But so, if you looked at at a community, at a kingdom that that was warrior f- focused, that w- was was focused on warfare it was a good bet that the king had a focus and a, a leaning towards warfare if there was an agrarian culture somebody a culture that was focused on agriculture that king was more than likely focused on agriculture and the the idea would go on and on so what we see here in this new earth is the king of kings the king the, excuse me the kings of the earth bringing their cultures with them bringing everything that they are bringing everything that they represent for their people with all of the darkness removed from it and laying it before the king of kings. That's what all things being made new looks like. It's culture. Think for just a moment about the the culture of the West, the culture of the United States of America being taken, all of the darkness being burnt off, being refined out, and the best parts being presented to God. That's what the new earth will be like. Sometimes we are so focused on the spiritual aspects of heaven and what this new earth will be like that we don't really recognize the the physical realities of it. Will there still be scientific advances in heaven? Will there still be space exploration in heaven? Will there be better Rembrandts, better better artists, better da Vinci's? Will will there be better creation in heaven? I don't know. But as we start asking these questions, it starts to to help correct and orient our thinking. And finally, if there's a, a literal place with literal people that are there, then there must be a literal creator God there as well. Everything that we've talked about so far is great, but it might not even get noticed. The streets of gold are great and all, but maybe that's not even going to get noticed. The gate that's made out of a single pearl is amazing, but maybe that's not even going to get noticed. The size of the city is amazing and astounding to us, but maybe that isn't even going to be noticed because it will all be completely overshadowed by the fact that we are going to be in the literal presence of God. That is the reward. The reward has nothing to do with me walking on a street of gold. And this changes everything. At the, the first portion of the, the passage that we read at the beginning says there's, there's no sea. And as I was considering that, as, as I was kind of reading some other discussions about that, one of the, the thoughts here is that, what, what do we think of when we think of the sea? And, and not for us today, not the people who have scuba tanks that go swimming in it that love to see everything that, that we see. What did the church of 96 AD think of the sea? That was scary. That was a place where if I got on a boat and, and got into the middle of the ocean, I may or may not make it back alive. The, the sea represented chaos. So does that mean that there's not going to be an ocean in heaven? I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't know. But what I do know is that there's no chaos in heaven. Let's just think about that for a minute. No drama in heaven. I've got my home life. I've got my work life. I've got my church life. I've got drama, drama, drama. None of that. There will be no tears. No death, no disease, no mourning, no crying. And as we read that list, that touches every single person here in this room, either directly or indirectly. We say, yeah, those things are real. Those things exist in my life, but they won't for all of eternity. Revelation twenty one twenty two says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now, I love this. 96 AD church would have been like, there's no temple. What are we supposed to do? How, where do we commune with God? Where do we go to seek his presence? How, how are we supposed to do this? The temple was where God chose to dwell. One guy once a year got to go into the Holy of Holies. And, and Side note, do we know what shape the Holy of Holies was? It was a cube. Do you know what, what shape the temple the, the new Earth is that comes down from heaven? It's a cube. The Holy of Holies is now everything. The whole Earth is the Holy of Holies. What this verse is saying is that we as literal people in a literal place are being invited into the heart of a triune God. Everything that we have experienced so far has been from the outside looking in. Has been God saying, I'm, I have to, to put the cookies on, on the bottom of the shelf so that you can reach them because you can't handle what's going on up here. But in the new heaven and the new earth, We're invited into the middle, into the midst of love between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that we we can't even imagine. Sure, we don't get tired. Sure, we don't get sick. Sure, Sure, we live eternally. All of those things are great. But if it was just that, it would get old. If it was just a matter of eternal life, of never getting sick, of having the ability to infinitely create, eventually it would get old. It would. But the reason eternity doesn't get old is because we are in the midst of the love of the triune God. That's why eternity isn't something to be feared, but it's something to Aspire to. Something to to long for. Revelation 22.4. We have to read this. And they will see his face. They will see his face. I have... Worshiped. I have wept. I have felt undone. I have wrestled with God. I have argued with him. He has never forsaken me. I've been defended by him. He has rescued me. He has redeemed me. He has held me fast. In the darkest moments of my life, he was right there. I have prayed and I have felt like it has just hit the ceiling. I have consistently fallen short of what he has for me. I am still, after all of these years of following Jesus, still slow to obey. And yet I'm still going to see him face to face. And on that day, I will hear well done. Sometimes I don't feel like well done. Sometimes I feel like I could make a pretty solid case for not well done. We will see him face to face. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I see Jesus face to face, there is not going to be a lecture. There's not going to be a rehashing of everything that I've done. There's not going to be this loaded question like, did you really have to do that? When I see Jesus face to face, he'll say, well done. And so in in every way that we know how and by the grace of God, I live for that moment. That is to be the the perspective that we take from this place. That is to be the the way that we shape our lives is is with that eternal perspective. To lift our eyes up from the mountains, from the, the difficulties, the hardships of this life, and to say, yes, this is hard, but this is temporary compared to what God has for me for all of eternity. So come what may,